Clean cut, but morally corrupt. It's Forwards Backwards Podcast. Not from the corner of Glenway and Monroe, and not from the Gimme Some Truth Studios. This week we talk coaches with Connor Kaloya, recap Dan's 72 hours of football binging, and beg you to vote. As always, I'm joined by the Israel Crosby and Ray Crawford to my Ahmad Jamal, Kyle Carr, the hardest working man in Madison sports podcasting, and Dan Fallon, who is currently Googling synonyms for sabbatical. Jamie Far- Vardy scored today in uh, Leicester's 4-1 win over Leeds. Dan, Kyle, what's the most disgusting drink that you've ever had? <laughs> so, Kyle, and I, Kyle and I already talked about this. It's on, uh, pretty up for up there. <laughs> yes, I mean, we both, we both, neither of us will drink Captain Morgan's anymore after, uh, you know, binging it in college. You know, that was a pretty regular Friday night, like split a handle with somebody, you know, and just kill Captain myself. And Coke. With Captain and Coke. So not only are you drinking terrible liquor, you're just dousing yourself with soda and sugar. And uh, so I, that's got to be pretty far up the list. Was the that worse than Skittles and vodka? <laughs> yes. I've never had. <laughs> yes. But the worst I'll say is there's a shot at a bar in Eau Claire called The Pickle. The Pickle is the most disgusting bar you can think of in terms of a college bar. They have this thing called the Slap of Jesus, which is a shot with gin, vodka, tequila, rum. I'm pretty sure some other form of liquor. It's just a concoction of bad liquor in one particular shot. And if you don't vomit, it's pretty impressive. That is the worst drink I've ever had in my life. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, so we've got a, we're going to be a little shorter podcast because we, we really appreciate our guest. Actually, we invited him on this time. He did not beg. He did not plead with us to join. And was so accordingly, I'm going to have to be nice because we asked him to come on. Uh, and, you know, I think uh, one of the things that we can say for the Forward Madison uh, front office is they're always willing to talk to their supporters about their decisions. They did sort of a, a private uh, uh, chat with uh, the flock last week. Uh, and uh, Dan, you, you finagled your way onto that, uh, that zoom call. Um, but wanted unfortunately, to have- my, unfortunately my hands were visible in the camera. So I was trying to live tweet it, but people kept making comments about what was I texting. So sorry to everyone out there that I was unable to spill the beans on all the good Good information that Connor gave us. Um, I, I can't imagine you're, you're ambitious enough to live tweet anything, Dan. I'll be honest with you. That's correct. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that is correct. I was, I was just grateful they caught me and kept me from... By the way, Dan, on your last weekend of football binging, really, what was the highlight of your, your 72 hours of just watching soccer round the clock all weekend? Ooh, I think it would have to be uh, finding out the nickname of uh, Red Bull, New York Red Bull's goalkeeper. What does he call himself, Keith? Oh, boy. I don't know. Can we say that on the air? I'm now yeah, trying, I think so. I, I'm trying to remember it. You, I'm counting on you here to remind me of Ryan Mara, who's had one of yeah. the most – he's kind of had a Christian Bale – or not Christian Bale, uh, Gareth Bale at Tottenham-esque career where he was the starting goalkeeper like 10 years ago and then got replaced – and uh, is now back in between the pipes for uh, the New York Red Bulls. Like, you know, Bale left Tottenham and is now back. What is Ryan Mara's nickname? Well, first, let me just say, this is just to, to all the kids out there who haven't kind of lived life yet. Anytime someone you know gives themselves a nickname, that's it. You cut off all contact with that person. They are 
potentially a psycho killer. You get away from people that give themselves nicknames. Second, Ryan Mirror gave himself a nickname and it was Girth Brooks. We'll leave it at that. And, that was my favorite favorite moment of seventy-two don't, hours. Don't, of football. don't don't click the link in that in that tweet. If you go hunting down in his Twitter history, um, you know this is going to be a tough. This is this is by the way necessarily. We got kids a, here. I mean, come on. I mean, this is it. This is what I signed up for. Our PR team told me this was a family family uh, podcast. This is, uh, well, this I should is the last time I was. On. I should it's note someone. Well. I should note somebody in your press office shared that tweet with me. So <laughs> oh. <laughs> it is family friendly. Kyle has his son Sterling yeah. participating in the podcast. He may be pre-verbal. But no. he's, you know, he's still on. He's still. He's also the hard words for me. <laughs> so uh, we wanted to talk, Connor, with you a little bit before we get into the the conversation about the new uh, coaching search and mm-hmm. and talk a little bit about what's going on there. I uh, wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, kind of how USL wrapped up this year because it uh, wrapped up in, you know, uh, the technical term might be shit show, um, you know, uh, ball of COVID. Um, more COVID than a Trump rally, really your call. Um, so what are, what are your thoughts on, you know, what, how all of this transpired and, and maybe why, you know, they couldn't really reschedule as well? Yeah, uh, first of all, I want to sincerely uh, thank you for having me on. It's always good to talk to you guys. Uh, this is fun, and I, I think it's fun. Hopefully it'll continue to be fun. We'll see what you ask me. But, no, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I, you know, Keith uh, – 2020 is a challenging year for everyone. We worked really hard to get back on the field. We worked really hard all season to play safely. And I got to tell you, it's amazingly disappointing to not have a season end in a championship. Um, you, you know, uh, I, I believe Herm Edwards once said, you play to win the game, right? And uh, there should be a champion. I mean, yes, there is a champion. Greenville did a great job. Amazing wire-to-wire, the whole organization, top-down, Joe Irwin, Chris Lewis. John Harks, Doug Irwin, the whole crew, great job. They, they're, they're, they're deserving of it. And I, I feel bad for, for Omaha and, and Gary Green and, and, and their staff that, um, you know, COVID's a serious thing, and, and it's, it's scary anytime you've got a, a handful of players that have it, and that's got to be the focus. Um, with that being said, you, you know, it is, you know, the air kind of comes out of the balloon pretty quick when you, when you get 16 games in, you get the whole season in, and there can't be a champion. And, uh, you know, we weren't, uh, the, the team's not involved. We're not a part of those conversations. I don't know what conversations were had. I don't know how the decision was landed on, um, you know, um, but, uh, but it, it's, you know, it's disappointing. And, uh, you know, uh, in some ways, um, an uneventful end to 2020. But now we got to flip the calendar and get to 2021. And um, let's get a full season in. Let's get a championship in. Yeah. Kind of quick, kind of quick question. Um, yeah. For you know, I, I'll, I'll be honest here, and that I did not read the 56-page COVID uh, guidelines from the league. But in the case of a player testing positive, what was then the was it a two-week period that they couldn't play, and was it longer than that? Because there were some rumors going around that the players who tested positive wouldn't be able to play for 21 days, which made rescheduling the match difficult but could you maybe speak to a little bit about what the protocols were for a player who tested positive yeah i mean um it, you know we had uh that happened twice uh, this season um we were fortunate both times that it happened it was an isolated incident 
Um, and and uh, we were able to contain it. It wasn't something that spread. Um, my recollection, and, and I think I'm accurate on this, uh, it depends. Uh, you know, there is some uh, difference if it's uh, symptomatic or asymptomatic. Um, but, but I believe there is a process to clear a player uh, within 10 days um, if uh, he is uh, asymptomatic and medically cleared. I, I believe in, in the first case that we had, uh, I, I believe it was 10 days after symptoms. Uh, we, we did uh, send that player um, you know, to our team doctor, DW Health. And then we also put all of our players through um, uh, a regimen of cardiac testing as well but before they they got cleared or, or shortly after they got cleared just to make sure that you know the myocarditis and these concerns that you're hearing uh were clear, cleared up so um you know keep in mind we had two isolated incidents when, when you've got a larger number of players potentially living together potentially greater symptoms um you know it, it's it just it's unfortunate you know and and uh i guess it's 2020 um it, it's unfortunate uh you know i trust that uh, you, you know, there's good operators in both those clubs. The, the, we trust the league office. I'm sure the right decision was made. Uh, but, but you know, it's disappointing there's not a champion or, or there wasn't a championship game. I mean, we, we were going to have a, a live nationally televised game. Like I said, we, I trust in the decision that was made. We were not consulted or a part of that. But it is frustrating that, uh, that a formal um, kind of end of the season uh, didn't happen. Not that there should be anything taken away from Greenville. Yeah. Yeah, and, and not to be a Debbie Downer, I don't think you'll be the last league not finishing a season. That that I are you, I, you perhaps, know, just, are, are you perhaps nodding the direction of uh, Camp Randall there, Dan? Well, I I was thinking forget collegiate. I mean, I was just thinking you know the more as I as I binge watched uh, seventy two hours of football this weekend, some of that was MLS related, and I I don't know how they're going to get around this because now they're about to start traveling outside of their kind of regional hubs that they've been playing in. And um, I think they've got a huge challenge coming up in the next two to four weeks of keeping cases down and um, making it through the end of their season. And I just saw today that CONCACAF is going to host the, the CONCACAF champions league here in the United States for a week in a, and they're playing in a bubble. Um, So that makes a little bit more sense, but I guess I would just say you, you may have just the USL may have just been the first shoe to drop on, on seasons uh, coming to less than uh, uh, fun conclusions. Uh, speaking of sort of less than fun conclusions, uh, you guys had a difficult decision to make um, in, in going into the off season in that you chose uh, not to renew head coach Daryl Shore's uh, contract this year. Daryl had been with the club since the, since the beginning It helped you know, put together the, the roster and, and so on and so forth. So just uh, fill us in a little bit on the, on the thought, thought process that went into making that decision and why, you know, you felt this was the, the right time to make a change. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the Sunday after the season ended, we met with Daryl, his contract was up and we mutually agreed to, to kind of to, to part ways and move in our own direction. And um, um, sorry, it looks like we have a visitor here. Uh, Family-friendly podcast, guys. Yeah, family-friendly. <laughs> we'll, 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 he can't hear what you're saying, so that's good. But uh, <laughs> um, uh, so no, we we, we uh, you, you know that decision was made with Daryl uh, when the season ended. Daryl's been great. I, I think anytime there's a change, it's easy to to focus on the negative. Uh, and I think there was a lot of positive 
uh, from Daryl's first two years with the club. He built the foundation of the club. He started the club. He got us going, and uh, we'll forever be grateful for for what he did to kind of get get the club going. Uh, with that being said, you, you know, all the first year we we made the playoffs, and uh, that was great. You, you know, this year um, it was challenging for our players in a lot of ways to have to go to the Dells every day to train and and have to uh, play our games in Hart Park. Um, but you know, candidly, we just didn't quite meet expectations, and, and uh, um, we our expectations at times may be unrealistic. We we have high expectations for this club, and I think our supporters do. Our, I know our staff does, and our ownership does. And uh, you know, we have a, an opportunity here and a chance to to make a big decision and um, bring in new leadership. And uh, listen, we we wish Daryl nothing but the best. He was a true professional, did a lot of things great. It was just a time for us to to make an make a change and um you know we're, we're uh search is fully underway we're, we're deep in it and uh um you know uh taking it seriously and want to make sure we get the next right fit uh to get this club uh, a championship and and kind of uh you know get us back in the playoffs yeah one thing i know with daryl obviously it's kind of tough with you know people point to the attack and maybe they didn't live up to expectations. Part of it could just be the style of play. wasn't the most entertaining at times. Um, I think it's one thing when you can grind out a bunch of one zero wins and you're winning those games and you get into the playoffs. I think people are okay with it, but on the opposite end, when, you know, you're not getting the results you needed, you kind of get into that final stretch of the month and you're getting consecutive draws. Was that, was the lack of entertaining play and attack a factor in that decision? Yeah, Kyle, it's a good question. I mean, the, the focus for us, you know, we're, we're fine winning ugly. Uh, we, we, we got no, no issue with that. If we're winning and it's one nothing uh, 16 times or in regular season, 28 times, we're fine with that. Um, I, I think where we uh, struggled, uh, to, you know, at the end of the year when we evaluated, um, we had three must-win games, and unfortunately we didn't win a single one of those. And, and, and we were – uh, while we had a, a lot of good players in the club, we had we think highly of the coaching staff. We just didn't win those must-win games, and, and that's what uh, gave us pause to kind of reflect and, and, and think about uh, how we change that dynamic. And um, you know, while uh, we want to play entertaining soccer, uh, we're, we're more focused on winning soccer. Um, you know, will we look as, as we launched a search? Will we look for maybe a little more aggressive approach? Uh, will we look for uh, some more scoring? Absolutely. Uh, our defensive, our, our back four, our defense was great. Um, Chris Brady came on great for us, um, but we, we do need to score more goals, and that is going to be something that will be discussed thoroughly as we look to next year. Connor, the, you know, this year being, we've already kind of touched on it, obviously a very strange year for the league, for the club, for forward Madison more so than just about any other professional team in America. I mean, I think maybe New Mexico was having to play their matches somewhere else, but, but otherwise, I mean, an, an incredibly challenging year for the club. Um, I guess two, two questions. One would be like, how much, how much did that play into your thought process? Like, you know, obviously you decided not to take kind of a mulligan on this season and say, Hey, this was really kind of, a tough environment. So we're going to give the coach another year. And also, so, but then the second part of that question is how much did you then look at progress against particularly other independent teams in the league? Um, knowing that the MLS two teams, maybe some of them 
their desire to win isn't the same and because they're there to develop their own players to move them onto their MLS team. But so maybe those two things, when you looked at the table and you're only ahead of one of the other independent clubs, did that, did that factor in? That's a good question, Dan. Um, Listen, uh, yeah, it was a horribly challenging year for our club. I mean, the the guys in Daryl deserve to be recognized for their level of professionalism, how they just put their head down and came to work every day. Out of 70 pro clubs in the U.S., we're the only one that can't train in our market. Soccer is not legal in Madison, Wisconsin right now. Uh, If you play soccer, you have to socially distance. Out of 70 clubs in the U.S., we're the only one. Out of 70 clubs in the U.S., it's only us in New Mexico that can't play home games in our stadium. So uh, these guys were were dealt a a bad hand, and and that did factor into our decision. We we wanted, you know, we kind of took a step back and and, and wondered, you know, as we evaluated and and met with Daryl postseason, is this... You know, uh, how do you evaluate this compromised year? And, um, you know, at the end of the day, after talking to Daryl and, and after, you know, us providing an assessment, um, you know, while, while it was challenging, we, we still felt that uh, we, we still ho- hope for more. Um, you, you know, with the investment we made in the, the club, we, we think we're up towards the top of, of the league as it relates to payroll. And, uh, you, you know, we, we hope that uh, our results will, will get us close to that in the table. And yes, you know, uh, MLS clubs have different priorities at different times. They have different situations. So it is a better comparison to compare us to the other independent clubs. And uh, our hope is that we can be up towards the top of the independent clubs. That's where we expect to be. And, and our hope is we get back there in 21. Moving forward, uh, Connor, if we look at the, the coaching search, uh, my first question is obviously when you say international search, that's just cover for bringing Jesse Marsh into forward Madison, right? That's, uh, uh, that's kind of what, what you're going for there. I mean, he's coming home. <clears throat> that's uh, well, I'm not allowed to comment on that. Actually, okay. when, when I refer to international search, I did, uh, you know, you mentioned our press office and I did talk to them uh, before this call, they, they thoroughly prepped me. And, um, you know, we've got, uh, a, a little North of 50 names on the list of people interested. Uh, but one name that they want on that list that we haven't received yet is, is yours, Keith. Uh, you were Cuba's yeah. freshman, uh, in high school, uh, coach at Middleton. He, he wanted to let me know and let the public know that you led them to a big eight title. And uh, apparently you're quite fiery on the sidelines. I, I did not know that. Uh, um, I did not expect that. We, we look for, you know, look at that nice, uh, I don't know what <laughs> kingdom or what that design, whatever you're wearing there. But you look like a, a pure gentleman uh, marching uh, on the sidelines in a little, what would I expect you to be fiery and screaming and yelling, especially with the freshman team. Keith, but but um, you've 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 been added to the list, and that's what we mean when we mean international. Is well, well, that's good, and and you know you know Dan will be there as my agent. He's going to demand a retainer. Nobody in this town works without a retainer, right, Dan? Okay. Um, right. You know, and and I think Cuba uh, can tell you all sorts of fun stories from that freshman year. It was a, it was a great time. Uh, the, I would imagine most of those stories would immediately disqualify Keith from being yeah. a candidate for yeah. this position. Um, my my favorite was I did get a player who misplayed a ball to the other team and went and went, ah, shit. And the, the ref gave him a yellow card and I got angry about that. And I said, how else am I supposed to know the kid cares? Um, and that didn't go over real well with the official. So, um, you know, and I'm sure that's going to go over well with USL referees. Uh, <laughs> yes. no, no comment. I'm not allowed to. Yeah. 
I don't need a yellow card on this call. Um, but as far as, you know, to, to, I guess to answer your, your search, uh, we, well, we, no, thought was, we, we thought it was important, you know, as we opened here. So uh, the, the search launched Monday morning um, and we thought it was important to just, uh, we, we went into the sides wide open. Uh, no previous qualifications. No, no, this qualifies you. This doesn't No. This geographic area works. This doesn't. You must have MLS experience. You must have USL experience. We want to be wide open on that. And yeah, we've we've talked to a handful of, uh, of candidates from overseas. We've talked to some uh, regional candidates, local candidates. Um, there has been a good amount of interest. We, that, that's encouraging for us. Like like I said, we got a little north of fifty folks that have reached out and, and showed interest in the position, and uh, that, that's encouraging. And now it's our job to kind of sift through that and, and and make sure we get it right. Uh, one of the questions I had related to that process is, you know, uh, if you look at front offices, you look at sidelines in American soccer, I think you would say it's uh, very lily white. Um, and so I'm curious as to what procedures the club has in place to ensure that, you know, you guys are in interviewing a diverse pool of candidates and including, you know, uh, Latinx, African-American, African coaches, you know, a diverse uh, body of, of candidates? Yeah, that, that, that's a great question. Um, and, uh, you know, you're right. There's a, a diversity issue uh, in American professional soccer, and it's something that those of us involved, uh, while we can't individually change it o- overnight, we can take steps to try and improve it and, and make sure that we're when we're going through a hiring process like this, that we're uh, placing a focus on that. And so, um, you know, a, uh, a diverse candidate pool was important to us. It is important to us. It, it was a priority from the start. Um, I, I can share that, you know, the, the two of the first three calls we made were, were to, uh, you know, uh, candidates of color. And, and we want to make sure, you know, we, we, we started with our own pool to, to try and make sure that we had a diverse pool uh, where we actively reached out to, to some folks. But then we've also talked to um, a couple people uh, with an HR background that, that, that have um, some experience in helping to uh, cultivate uh, broader uh, pools, uh, diverse pools, uh, candidate pools, and, and, and uh, we, we've worked to do that as well. So that is a priority to us uh, to make sure that a couple things. One, um, we're reviewing every person that's reached out, uh, you, you know, uh, soccer is such a global game. It's such a, a big game. It's different. You, you know, on the baseball side, you kind of know who fits and who doesn't. Soccer, you know, it's not all apples to apples, whether you're in um, England or South America, Africa, United States, wherever you might be. It's important to look through every resume, do your due diligence and do your research. So um, so first of all, we're, we're, we're turning over every stone. We're not just saying, oh, I don't know who you are. This doesn't make sense. Then secondly, uh, we are making sure that as we go through the process, that that, that it is a wide net and, and, and that there is a diverse candidate pool. And I'll be honest, when we started, uh, the, the pool wasn't quite as um, diverse as we had hoped. And, and we've, we've made, um, we've definitely made some progress in that and, and widened the, the pool over the last uh, five days. And we feel good about that. Uh, Connor, have you had any, oh. Connor, have you had any, email candidates apply for the position if you can and if you can't stay because that would you know limit you know somehow female candidates? Out. Yeah, um, 
you know, as we talk diversity, um, that, that's a, uh, as, as we got into this, we, that was something that we hoped we would uh, uh, be exploring and, and hoped we would have um, uh, some female candidates. And, and that's something that we need to continue to work on. Um, one of the things, you know, that's, you know, the flock is sort of like uh, the Pomeroy's family uh, dinner and that it's four people and six opinions. Um, I imagine, you know, you guys are, are in a situation where there are a lot of uh, differing, you know, sort of points of emphasis um, on what people are looking for, what organ, you know, what different parts of the club are looking for in, in the coach. Um, how are you guys sorting through and, and ranking those sorts of criteria? What criteria in addition to a diverse pool of candidates are you guys bringing to the, bringing to the search? Yeah, that, that, that's a, that's a great question. I think, uh, I think one of the great things about our club and the community around our club um, is that there's a lot of opinions. Uh, but I also think at the end of the day, I think there's a pretty clear vision. It, um, while there is opinion, I think it's pretty easy. It was pretty easy for me quickly on paper after talking to some folks from the flock, talking to our staff, talking to my partners, pretty easy to, 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 to put down a job description of what we're looking for. Um, you know, this is a challenging job. It's something that's got to be the technical director, maintain our relationship with Chicago Fire, uh, recruit and sign uh, all 22 to 24 players. But this person also has to coach and lead the team on the field. So, so that alone is challenging. Um, the other stuff we're looking for this person to do, you know, we have the League One team here in Madison, but we have a League Two team in Green Bay. I, I do think before too long, uh, we should be in the USL Academy space. And it's important for this person to kind of connect all those tiers and, and develop a talent uh, development pipeline here in the state of Wisconsin. And then, you know, community is what's made this club. So we need to make sure we find somebody that um, is going to engage in the community, be active in the community, um, and, and really collaborate with the flock and, and also, uh, you know, just be out there. And so we're looking for a little more than just a head coach and a technical director. There are a couple other pieces. And what's going to drive this higher beyond anything else is culture and fit. Uh, yes, we want to get a good coach. Yes, we want to get somebody that can recruit players. But we, we're, we're proud and we feel very good about the culture that uh, in the community that we've created around forward with, with the flock and with all of our fans in this great Madison community. And we got to make sure we find somebody that fits that. And that's really what's going to drive this. Those other pieces are important as well, but, but that's going to drive the hire, in, in our opinion. Yeah, I was going to say, definitely, I feel like one of the biggest things I'm hoping for with the next coach is going to be having an identity along with still being involved with the community. Um, I know when we talked on that private call at the flock, one of the things that was highlighted is someone that shows out a little bit more. But in terms of different candidates, I, if you can't say, you know, some things because confidentiality is fine, but in terms of the candidates that you've either reached out to or possibly are interviewing, is there, you know, a consistent theme? Like maybe there are other USL coaches or they are assistant coaches at MLS. I know you're talking about a diverse search, but is there kind of a occurring theme with like the experience that these coaches and coaching candidates have, or is it kind of a wide variety? Yeah, it's a, another good question. It's, it is a wide variety. And I think it just, it speaks to the sport. Um, you know, there, there's there's uh, coaches up and down the soccer ladder interested in this position. Uh, there's coaches far and wide interested uh, in this position. And, um, you know, that that's why I kind of come back to, to culture. It's not like we, 
we said that this coach has to have MLS experience or this coach, coach has to have head coaching experience or um, he or she has to uh, have spent time overseas. You, you know, we, we didn't come in with any of that. Um, and I think for that reason, we've got a really good blend of different coaches with different experiences in, in different experience levels. And, uh, you know, I, I think um, we've always tried to do things a little bit different uh, as a club, you know, like out of the 70 American clubs, we don't want to just do what everybody else is doing. Um, we've tried to internally push ourselves to figure out how we innovate or how, how are we different on this search. We haven't quite figured that out yet, but we continue to ask that question. But I, I don't think we're just, you know, um, looking for somebody that, 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 that's been a head coach for 25, 30 years. You know, there's amazingly qualified people that may not be the right fit uh, for what we're trying to do. And there may be people that are just starting their career that, that, that somehow are the right fit. So we're, we're, we're going through all that right now. Um, all, you know, I am comfortable saying we feel good about the candidate pool. Uh, we feel good about the interest and we're fortunate to have some really good people helping us outside of the organization that, that are kind of, um, you know, good, good counsel uh, to, to kind of help point us in the right direction. Connor, you mentioned the, the coach having to be the technical director and build the roster. Um, will that literally be from scratch or will our, you know, does, does timing necessitate that some players will be, either, you know, their option will be picked up or they'll be re-signed prior to the coach being on board. Um, I mean, I know a lot of our players having come back for a second year are probably out of contract. Mm -hmm. I'm just kind of, kind of speculating given what I know about how, how the contracts work, but for some other players, will they be locked in prior to the head coach coming on board? Yeah. Let me talk about kind of uh, how we've handled the the transition. Um, you know, uh, we, we met with Daryl on Sunday and mutually agreed to part ways. Uh, I guess that was uh, the 25th. Um, you know, the next morning we met with uh, the coaching staff and asked the coaching staff to stay on for uh, at least 30 days. Uh, so Neil Lavity, uh, Jim Launder, and Tim Boreff have all stayed on, and they've been a great resource to me. They've, they've, they've done a great job of, uh, you know, keeping continuity. They're all aware that um, their employment will be dictated by the next head coach and he or she will be able to, to decide who uh, his or her assistants are. Uh, but, but those, those gentlemen have been great uh, and have helped kind of through player exit interviews and, and helped through this transition. Uh, we've exercised options on, on two players fr- from this past year. Another two uh, players from this past year, uh, we were able to sign to contracts uh, prior to the end of the season. Uh, we, we've made offers to another uh, two players. And then there's another two that we're actively discussing with. And so the idea is kind of a core group of six to eight players um, that we know uh, based on their position, based on um, a variety of factors, it makes sense to, to, to keep them uh, for some continuity and for, for the transition. So if it does take us a little time to find a, a new tech, technical director and manager that we're, we're not behind the eight ball, um, so we, we will have kind of a core group, and then we expect to uh, continue our, our good partnership with uh, the folks at the Chicago Fire. And, and between those six or eight in, in the fire, that gives us a good base. But at the same time, I don't think we're, any, we're making any commitments that will kind of handcuff or, 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 or really limit what the next uh, head coach and technical director can do. 
One of the things that you mentioned uh, before that question was uh, leaning on outside resources. And obviously I was, you know, just curious is the, the Chicago fire have an investment in, in the club and, you know, since I have to be nice to, I was, I, I'm not going to preface this with, you know, you're not a soccer guy, Connor, what are you doing? Um, you know, what kind of soccer expertise are you getting there? Uh, but I was wondering how involved, you know, the fire is, what other, you know, sort of soccer resources you're getting, because obviously the fire have an investment in the next technical director, because they're going to be sending prospects to us to, to de- help develop. Before, before you answer that, Connor, I like how Keith, still snuck in the joke yeah. without with by trying to give himself cover on the front end but we I'm all sorry. heard it keith i'm we not all... gonna preface this but i'm gonna mention it uh which look, you didn't look, preface this that's look that's why you. that's why i'm a professional right there dan yeah you know, there's nothing more you know that's the word that comes to mind when i spend <laughs> time with you guys 39 minutes in here professional um but uh yeah, I'm, listen, I'm not, I'm not, you know, that's not my background. You're, you're right, and I'm not going to act like it is. Uh, what, what I think I do know um, is I think I do know uh, what this club's about. I've, I've been here from the start. I think I do know uh, what the culture is, and I think I do know what this club means to the community and what this community means to the club. And, and I think uh, with that and some help from my friends, uh, a little help from my friends, I can figure out uh, or, or I'm comfortable leading this search we do have good resources internally to help uh, that we feel good about their background. And yeah, listen, Chicago, the partnership with Chicago, I can't, uh, it's hard for me to uh, speak how positively it's been. Those guys have been great in every sense of the word. They're, they're, they're logical. They're reasonable. When they send us players, they don't put uh, demands or restrictions on them. Uh, They're in this for the right reason. They understand how this partnership works. Uh, While I have leaned on uh, their council, uh, they're also very uh, steadfast that we're an independent club and we're not, um, yes, we're their affiliate, but we're not part of the Chicago Fire. And it's important we have our own identity uh, and it's important that we do our own thing. And so um, they've been a good uh, uh, resource for us to, to develop a candidate pool and, and to work through the process. But uh, it's going to be our decision. That decision is going to be made in Madison with my partners and myself and some of our staff. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of the first line of defense and then round two, I'll get a few more folks involved. And, and before we make this hire, uh, we're going to thoroughly vet, even though it's challenging during COVID, we're going to thoroughly vet to make sure that this person's a right fit. So we're going to involve all all of our partners. We're going to involve all of our staff, uh, potentially some players, uh, and potentially some community members as well to make sure this is a fit. Connor, you, you know, you've mentioned it a couple of times, um, the, you know, what the club means to the community, what the community means to the club. You've had, I think you've had some preliminary conversations with some coaches. Um, how much are you expecting them to know or to kind of grasp that on the front end um, rather than it, you know, kind of coming later on to, Oh yeah, now I've been figuring out who you guys are. And I mean, are you kind of hoping a candidate comes in kind of, you know, maybe they don't know all the songs and, and everything, you know, all that stuff, but they know that this is different than a different than other teams, other clubs. Yeah, listen, it's it's really easy in an interview to to say all the right things and say you're going to be a part of the community, and and just you know tell me what I want to hear right in a first interview. Um, I, I think uh, some folks have done their research, the videos online while it's not actually being here, but but seeing a, a match day experience, uh, you know 
uh, nice work by uh, Will Jenkins on Forward Till I Die. Stuff like that helps tell our story. We, we've we've put together a deck too for prospective coaches just to tell them what we're about, what our core values are, what our mission statement is. Some of these great pictures of our fans. But Dan, I, I think you're right that nobody's going to really understand it, feel it, or know it till they get to a game at Bree Stevens Field with with a you know either full capacity or, or large capacity crowd. Um, and, and beyond that, you know, until you're actually rubbing shoulders with the flock and out in the community. Um, and, and it's difficult for us to understand who's actually going to do that work, who's going to make that commitment. Um, you, you know, Connor Tobin, uh, team captain and, and, and uh, great resource, great player, good all around person. You know, as we talked about this search briefly early on, one of his comments was it's easy to find a good head coach right? You, you can find a good soccer coach that's just going to go out and win games. He or she, all they're going to do is worry about winning games. Uh, and, and that's going to be their focus. They're not going to do the community stuff. They're not going to worry about the front office. They're not going to make sure we're having a positive impact through camps and clinics. They're just going to go win soccer games. And you can find that. That's not what we're looking for. We need to find that plus somebody that's willing to do all the community stuff and make an investment in the community and do the charitable efforts and be there with the flock. And so that's why we're taking our time with this search. That's why this search is a little more, I don't want to say thorough, but, but, but it's not so easy to just find who's going to win us a championship. We want to win a championship and have an impact on the community. And, and we're sincere about that. And that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. I know you talked about wanting to have a thorough search and find some of that fits in. Do you have a deadline or at least a date that you ideally would want to have a coach by, or is there, you know, a certain deadline that you want to reach where, it kind of gets through the end. It was like, we need to have someone here by this date. Yeah. We started the process immediately on Monday. Um, we got through, uh, you know, about a dozen interviews as of, uh, today, uh, initial interviews. Um, so we're, we're moving at a pretty good pace. Our hope is, you know, by the end of the week here, we've, we've got some finalists. Um, I think one thing I've learned over the last seven months and one thing I'm becoming very aware of in the last maybe four to six hours is that COVID um, is going to probably dictate our search more than we're going to dictate our search. And if we're sincere about finding somebody that's a good fit, um, you know, it's important that we probably spend some time with them in person. Uh, they, they get to see Madison um, and, and they get to potentially meet some of our fans. So we, we need to balance the logistical challenges of a, of a search um, with making sure we get the right fit. Our, our hope is that by the end of the month at the latest, or maybe before Thanksgiving, we would have something to announce. We're on that time frame right now. Uh, but to, to, to really get that finalist fully vetted, um, that could be challenging given the, the current environment here in Wisconsin and, and, and potential travel challenges. So we're working through that right now. I don't want to make any commitments, but it is important that we get somebody in here fairly soon so they can build a roster and we're in a good spot for 2021. Uh, speaking of 2021, is there anything you want to say about, you know, I think we're, we're all at the point where we've learned that you, you know, making predictions in, in this current environment, uh, is well nigh impossible, but is there anything in terms of, you know, looking forward to 2021 you want fans to know or folks to be aware of? Well, I guess the first thing I'd say is I want to thank our fans for 2020. Um, you know, it wasn't easy in, in, uh, for our players, for our coaches, or for our fans, or for our staff. And our fans traveled to Hart Park. Um, and, and those that didn't, uh, those that purchased season tickets stuck with us um, and, and have made commitments to 2021. And, and we, our fans are why we're still here. I mean, um, 
candidly, it, it would have been really easy to just not play this year. Financially, it would have been significantly better to just sit out this year because we could not play in Madison. We could not practice in Madison. Um, you know, we could have just sat out and we didn't think that was best for the club and our fans and our supporters didn't want us to do that. And so we, we kind of figured it out and, and played this year. Um, and the reason we were able to do that is because our fans are sticking with us. They continue to support us. They continue to invest in the club and we'll be forever grateful for that. That's what will keep this club going as it relates to 2021. Unfortunately, um, you know, it's a, it continue to be a challenging time here with COVID-19 in the state of Wisconsin. Um, and, and for that reason, you know, there's not really um, any clarity, nor is it the right time to be asking for loosening or restrictions. But but to kind of go back to what we talked about earlier, we're the only pro market in the U.S. where you can't practice. And, and before we can host games at Breeze, we got to at least practice first here. Uh, and then our hope is we can host games. And, and we are confident, you know, we take this thing. We we take the virus seriously. We're 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 absolutely serious about it. But we think we've proven um, at Hart Park. We think we've proven in our baseball operations in Green Bay and Kenosha that you can have fans at a game safely. And at our three operations this year, we had um, over forty thousand fans, um, and not a single case of COVID traced back to those events. And and while it's not for for everyone, some people still aren't comfortable. We totally respect that but we think we can socially distance, require masks and do safe, safe events. And, and our hope is that by 2021, we can do that. Uh, and we're going to continue to work with the city and the County and the public health of Madison Dane County to, to work towards that goal. But, but before we get there, we got to be able to practice first year. Dan, uh, Kyle, any other uh, questions before uh, we let Connor go? No. Um, thanks. Thanks for that contribution, Dan. (laughs) I just want to, I just, thanks for coming on and and sharing the kind of the search process with us. And, um, I know we're all looking forward to, I, I, you know, I joked that it it feels like we're a real club now. Like, uh, you know, we've, we've, uh, and you know, we love Daryl and Daryl is always incredibly generous with his time. And I don't mean it to be flipping because, you know, he's out of a job, which is, I think sometimes people forget in professional sports when they're asking for people to be fired, that these are people's livelihoods and families behind it. So I don't mean this to be cruel, but it does feel like you're kind of, you know, this is like a real thing. Like, you know, results didn't, didn't match the expectations off the pitch. And that means sometimes there's going to be changes and um, it kind of, it feels like another kind of moment for forward Madison to, to kind of take a step forward, no pun intended. Um, And just looking forward to seeing who that person is going to be. I'm, I'm sorry. I regret that it took us two years to prove to you, Dan, that we're a real club, uh, but, but we are a real club. And, and uh, you know, if I could just in closing, I do want to thank Daryl for everything he did in our first two years. Uh, consummate professional. He did a lot of things really well. And, and uh, I, I want to make sure that story is told. And we wish him nothing but, but nothing but the best of luck in, in whatever's next for him. And he'll forever be a, an important part of the history of this club. Yeah, uh, absolutely. We, we 100% agree with that. Um, uh, thanks for your time and, and all that. And, and thanks for putting up with us. Um, I can't believe we were this nice to you for so long after I had uh, you know promised that I was going to treat you like David Letterman treated Richard Simmons on the late show. Um, and what do I have in common with Richard Simmons? I mean, come on, man. <laughs> we I haven't, have short we shorts haven't, on, but yeah, we, we haven't that. seen your shorts yet, Connor. Yeah, my, my hair um, game is not you know, as good as Richard yeah, Simmons. No, definitely not. Um, well, I was going to say, you know, there's been like that theory that Richard Simmons has been trapped in his house, right? Like his housekeeper has been killed. Now that's all of us. We're all Richard yeah. Simmons. Yeah. 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 Richard <laughs> Simmons might actually be here. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> it, so. it, 
it's all up in the air. Have they, by the way, have they finally finished the road work in front of your house? Can you, cause yeah. What they, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, like we're good. Six month we're good. project there. I, if not I like we're going anywhere, but yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah you cannot <laughs> leave. Uh, so uh, Keegan scores on the rebound. Remember, Jesus saves, but Keegan scores on the rebound. <laughs> so uh, just want to thank everybody for listening. We've got a whole family family hour here on the podcast. Yep. And the biggest thing is by the time you're listening to this episode, it will be election day. If you haven't voted, go out yes. and vote. Wisconsin has same day registration yes. as well. So if you need to register, just make sure to have a photo ID along with something to prove your address, whether it's a bank statement, the utility bill, charter, whatever internet you have, et cetera. So make sure to go out and vote, make sure to get your voice heard. And yeah, thanks for, thanks for everything, Connor, for coming on and for everyone that's listening, vote. Yeah. Thank you guys. Uh, I'm going to go have a, a slap at Jesus or whatever that trick was, <laughs> Kyle Carr. So uh, <laughs> you guys take care. I appreciate you having me on. And uh, we look forward to talking to you when we have uh, our next head coach and technical director. And we'll get he or she on with, uh, with you guys um, in a family-friendly version of this, this podcast. Excellent. And, you know, make sure we can, we can mock them. So until next time, uh, we say vote. And we say forwards, not backwards. Upwards, not forward. And always...